Welcome to Leaf and Barrel Podcast, our weekly adventure through whiskey, cigars, and solving the world's problems. My name is Tim. My name is John. And my name is Scott. And John, what will we be smoking today? Today, we're smoking uh, probably the biggest cigar I have ever smoked before. Uh, this is a La Flor Dominicana, the, their double Luego, and uh, not only that, it is their digger size. So that is going to be a 60 by 8.5, so almost an inch in diameter and 8.5 inches long. We are in for quite the journey. It's a beast. Yeah, this is, a, this is an absolute monster of a cigar. It is dark. It is oily. I am excited. <laughs> yeah, the uh, Double Aguero cigar is one of the uh, hardest full-bodied cigars you can really go towards. So uh, we, we have lit up already, so Tim... What are you getting from your cigar? What do you, how do you feel about this as we first start into our journey? Well, the the first couple of notes, you know, just sniffing the wrapper and everything, and uh, the first couple of drags on this this beast of a cigar, chocolatey, little bit of pepper, almost buttery. It's kind of got that bitterness almost. Okay. Uh, and I think that's probably just because it looks and feels so oily. You know, mm-hmm. that some of that carries through. Right now, that's primarily it. A little bit of coffee. Yeah. Uh, Everything that you said, I would have to agree with. Uh, smelling the cigar before we lit up was a very rich, almost like a creamy chocolate, a creamy dark chocolate, which yeah. really doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Yeah. Typically, when you think of a dark chocolate, you get a little bit of a, that bitter yep. taste, and you, you don't get any of that mm-hmm. uh, with the cigar. No, so, so far, it is extremely enjoyable. And Scott's just looking at us, shaking his head when he sees the size of these cigars, or, or non-cigar. Yeah, I, I decided not to smoke one this week. I had a bit of a rough night the night before, not feeling the greatest. Yeah. So, and I but mean, yeah, initially I could I could smell the chocolate when when I smelled the outer wrapper, the chocolate. Yeah, it was just chocolatey coffee. It smelled fantastic. And Scott, you have brought beer this week. Indeed, I have. What are you drinking tonight? Uh, tonight, I am drinking the Hinterland Blackberry Berliner Weiss. Uh, it's an ale, and it's made here in Wisconsin, uh, exclusively in Green Bay. All right, all right. Do you have any idea how long Hinterland's been at it? <sighs> Not off the top of my head. Like, they're newer, aren't they? Like, uh, I, when I say I newer, think, I mean like 10, 15 years. I was going to say, I think they started around 15 years ago. I'll have to do a little research on that, but yeah. that sounds so what, accurate. What is the, the Berliner uh, Weiss? Like, what... Uh, it is a, a sour mash ale. Okay, okay, all right. Again, one of my favorite yeah. type of craft beers out there. <laughs> I understand. Pretty great, and this is a very palatable one for anybody who would be interested in getting into. Yeah, the sour. Uh, beers. Uh, do, yeah, what, what are your what are your takes on it? Like, you know, you, you call it a blackberry. Is that super evident? Oh no, no, that is not overly powering. Uh, it's just got that nice sour taste with a very hint of blackberry at the very end, okay. almost an aftertaste. Yeah, kind of help. Prevent it from sitting on the back of your throat, maybe. Mm-hmm. Like some craft beers will just linger back there for a while. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sometimes it's good, sometimes not so good. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I understand. Yeah, right. This one's real good for for starters if you want to try a sour mash beer, because uh, again, it is it's not powerful as far as the flavor. It's not overwhelming, and it's low alcohol content as well. Okay, okay. I, I believe it's three two and if that, I remember right. That can be really nice in and of itself, you know, sometimes just not having a super hard beer, uh, especially if you want to experience a beer for its taste, for its style, 
not having to worry about how hard it's going to hit you. <laughs> you get that with the IPAs sometimes. The alcohol content is jacked way up. close to 13%. Yeah, some of them, yeah. yeah. They can be a little intense sometimes. This is just, it's a good refreshing beer. So uh, speaking of uh, low alcohol per volume, Tim, what are we drinking? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to transition. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, today, we're drinking a Woodford Reserve uh, straight Kentucky bourbon. It is from Woodford Reserve. They do a two-still mix of whiskeys. One portion is from a pot still, which is your typical, what you think when you think distilling. You put in mash, you boil it up, you get alcohol, it gets condensed. And the other one is a column still, also referred to as a continuous, where they can continually add more mash to produce more uh, alcohol from. And they take those two processes and blend them together. And that's what we've got. They've been doing it since about 1812. They've not been in continuous operation, but uh, that still makes them one of the oldest distilleries in the nation. So, John, what's your initial take of the whiskey? It's a very smooth whiskey. Uh, very little burn that you would normally associate with the whiskey. Uh, a little floral. A little earthy. Uh, I'm wondering, But I'm wondering if that's coming from the cigar as well, because this cigar is... Uh, it's really coming through now with the more earthy flavors, whether that's, you know, I want to say it's, it's peaty, uh, but definitely like an, an earth flavor to it and a little leathery. And I think that's pairing well with the whiskey so far. It is a smooth whiskey. It is a lighter flavor profile and as far as whiskeys are concerned. It's not heavy on the charcoal or the smoke or anything like that, or even like the oakiness. And I think that the, the heaviness that exists in the cigar that we have today, the La Flor Dominicanas, I think they accent one another. Yes. Uh, the, the, the heaviness that is the cigar doesn't really do a ton to add to like the whiskey, but the fact that they have different peaks, I think they kind of operate really well together in that regard to create a very uh, complete flavor profile between the two of them. That's a pretty intense thing, actually. There's a yes. lot going on. Yes, there is. It will be interesting to see because uh, I know traditionally these cigars do change their flavor profile about midway, midway through. So it'll be very interesting to see what happens as we journey along our cigars and try and solve some problems tonight. Yeah, especially as big as those cigars are, that's going to be an adventure. Yeah, this is a two-problem night at least. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. There's problems out there that need to be, that need to be solved by three white guys sitting in a... In a garage. Yeah. So why not? In suburban if Wisconsin. If there's... <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is definitely the suburbs. <laughs> I mean, if there's any opinion you need to listen to, it's obviously ours. Um... <laughs> yes, I don't feel like the uh, the white voice in America has ever heard. Right. That's, ever. you know... That's, we... that's a problem that historically has plagued and our that's, nation that... for an extremely long time. That's the value. If you think that's serious, you need to stop listening right now and actually read a history book. I mean, that's the value of our podcast. We can finally bring to light the plight of us. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes, the plight of the white man. Oh, God. (laughs) As John indicated, if you're taking that seriously, please go away. Please. (laughs) The only thing we really take seriously is the cigars and whiskey. Yep. I don't know that I've heard a truer statement made. No. <laughs> Above this podcast, at least. <laughs> right. Have you been keeping up on the uh, Spider-Man 4 at all? Have you, did you, have you, do you, do you own it? Um, yes. And I have the special edition PlayStation Pro that came along with it. Mm, I actually very just, nice. 
Uh, it came on Friday. Today is Sunday. It's actually Sunday evening as we are recording this. But yes, I, I'm well versed in the uh, the game. I've probably put in 10, 15 hours right, on it right, already, yeah. and I've done three main missions. <laughs> that and makes sense. I'm just doing all side activities, taking lots of pictures, and the uh, the photo mode, and that's a lot of fun. My buddy showed me some of that photo mode business, and holy cow, you that can, is the coolest thing. You can make your own comic book cover. Mm-hmm. It just as a frame for the photo. It's it's great. Uh, it's really nice. good. I was re- the reason I brought it up. Uh, on top of it just being really new, and it looks like an amazing game. Uh, the there is an Easter egg in it. Uh, there's on, there's a lot of well, Easter eggs. Yeah, there are a lot of Easter eggs. Uh, but there's one in particular that I read about. Greg uh, Miller's? Nope. Okay. Uh, it was a fan that had contacted Insomniac Games and said, "Hey, I want to propose to my girlfriend." And I'd like to do it in a really unique way. Can you help? And they got in touch and went back and forth. And they're like, sure, we can add something to the game. Wow. And they did. Yeah, that's right? shocking. There's okay. a, there is a marquee on one of the intersections for one of the theaters in the city. And the marquee says, Maddie, will you marry me? And wow. that is really cool. So let me bring it down a notch. She broke up with him roughly two weeks before the game released. Oh. Yep. Life is tough. <laughs> Uh, oh no! It, I'm not it, laughing at it. It's it, it a shitty situation. Maddie, if you're listening, no, it gets better. You're no. a horrible person. No, no, it gets better. She's now dating his brother. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, an upshot to all of this, though, is one of the art directors for Insomniac actually got back in touch with him after hearing about this and asked him, "Hey, we can change this in a patch, right? We can just change the what what that says in a patch." And he initially denied it. Sure. He's like, this is what we did, right? This is, it is what it is. Yep. But he eventually went back to him and was like, can we actually? And they're currently working back and forth to do something with his grandmother's name. Because his grandmother is the one that got him into Spider-Man by giving him his first Spider-Man comic book back when he was a kid. Oh, that's really cool. Yep. That is so cool to me. And the fact that they reached... make light of a bad situation. Yes. And and that Insomniac reached out to him and was like, hey... We can we can just change this. That's something we can do. Yeah, that, that's well, the uh, shocking part too. Because they didn't have to. So uh, Greg Miller, who's a uh, internet personality, uh, yeah. big Spider Man fan, uh, and he's got this thing about shirtless Spider Man, and he puts on a Spider Man mask and takes off his shirt, and he did a, did a review and everything, and he was pleading for Insomniac to include a shirtless Spider Man in the game, <laughs> and they actually did. Apparently, uh, later on during the main quest, you're at like a Halloween party or something like that. And there's a guy just with a Spider Man. Head on and no shirt. Is a reference nice. to Greg Miller. That's really good. So yeah, they're they're doing a lot, of, a lot of little things for fan service, which is yeah. really that's nice. pretty cool. That's always nice to see from a big company like that is yes. to recognize, especially if it's something from the comic industry, because those fans are always so dedicated yes. to their hero. Yes, you know everybody kind of has their hero that they're a fan of, and they are dedicated to that hero. And to see a game company be like, hey, we're not just a game. Right now, we're not just developing a game. We're developing a game to represent a comic book. Uh, you guys don't know this, uh, but uh, a couple days ago, the boys and I made a bet on which team would have the worst NFL record for this season. I have the Bills, I believe. Is that no use? <laughs> I thought I had the Bills. I'm pretty sure I had the Bills. No, 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 no. no. I, think, I believe you said Cleveland. Oh, oh damn. Is it weird? They, didn't they tie? Fucking Steelers. <laughs> and, and believe me, I'm not happy about it either. Tim, they're your team. And believe me, I'm not happy about oh, it either. Yeah, if we yeah. just fucking give Le'Veon Bell what he wanted. Hey, uh, I took the Cowboys, what was it, two or three games with Emmett Smith holding out? 
And then they paid him his money, and then you had the dynasty in the 90s, so who knows? Yeah, so so John had the the Cleveland Browns. Yep. I had the Bills, and I believe you were Cincinnati? I, Raiders. You, that's right, you did go with the Raiders. The Raiders. So right now, because I know basically nothing about football. <laughs> well, that's true, you're a Steelers fan. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> so uh, right now, Scott is half a game up. <laughs> what a weird fucking thing to say. <laughs> that's, so, that's so weird. Because uh, yeah, Tim, your team doesn't play until Monday night. Is that Monday night? They have they the late play? game. Yeah. Yep. No, they have the early game against the Lions. No, they have the late game. Is it the? Oh, they, come on. They have the nine twenty game against uh, the Rams. My my wife is from the the UP, so she's she loves she loves the Lions. So yeah, yeah they uh, got the six ten game tomorrow. I was hoping they had the earlier one. So yeah, uh, this will be. And the Rams are going to be a hard team to beat, too. They have a solid team coming into this year. Do they? Yeah. They had a solid team last year. Yeah. Someone had a broken back. I mean, Tony Romo had a broken there back. There we go. That was Romo. Years in a row. Yeah, that was Romo. He had one hit, and oh, there goes the back. But to be fair, he's a very good commentator. Oh, my God. He's one of the best commentators out there. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> oh, uh, they actually told him he had to tone it back. Because he was predicting... He was calling the plays before they started. Like, yeah, this is this formation. They're probably going to do this, this, or that. And they would do it. Really? They actually told him he had to cut back on what he was saying because he was predicting what every play was going to be. Wow. Wow. And he was right nine out of ten times. Yeah. There was only like... I I think in the three games I listened to him, there was like one game he was wrong. Yeah. One play. Oh, you didn't get that one right, huh? I guess not. Uh, Darn, a 99% success rate. Damn. He actually started to like, right away, he didn't stop doing what he was doing. He would just like say a play. Oh, I think they should do this. Oh, well, maybe I was wrong. And he would, I'm positive he was doing it intentionally at that point. Yeah. And that's something that I love in general about NFL is like the NFL organization would be like, hey, to a player or whoever, don't do this thing. Like, stop doing this thing. And then whoever they say that to will like continue to do the thing. But slightly differently. Yes. I'm not doing the thing. I'm not doing the thing. I didn't do it. <laughs> you're right, but you're ignoring the spirit of what we told you. Well, that's, that's because the NFL has a huge problem between uh, management and players. Uh, oh, there, there will be a strike. The next player agreement, when that comes up in, what, two years? There, there will be a strike, and it will probably uh, be a shortened season. Is it that short already? Yeah, it's coming up. It's coming I thought up they just really went quickly. through one. And I thought it was for like a 10-year agreement. Uh, it's been a while since they've had one. Yeah. But You're it's, not wrong. It's been a while. It's not going to be pretty. And that it pains me to say that because I enjoy watching football. Oh, I love football. It was so great to lay on the couch all morning and just sit back and watch football. I don't think Miami game ended yet. They've been on two other delays today. Who? The Miami, Miami. Oh. game. Oh. Is it in Miami? I believe so. I wonder why it's delayed. That's cute. It is. Miami thinks they play football. Oh, they, they did finally finish the game. <laughs> Talk, talking about Hurricane Florence. <laughs> uh, it was due to lightning. She's a little north of them, isn't she? She's coming yes. in on the Carolinas. Yeah. yeah. But they're still going to get all the rain and everything. It's, it's going to impact the weather, absolutely. Because, yeah. yeah, they were having lightning it's a delays. a big-ass storm. Oh, they did. They, oh, yes. Yeah. They beat the Titans. Okay. That's the Texans' division, so. Oh, that's right. You're a Texan fan. Oh, who else on your fucking division? It's Houston, Houston, Indianapolis, Jacksonville, and the Titans. Tennessee. All right. That'll be an interesting conference. It's really weird just because Indy is just like yeah. <laughs> way up north and then everybody else is yeah. in the south. Yeah. 
Well, the Buccaneers used to be like that when it was the old uh, NFC. NFC Central? Yeah. Yeah, because it was the Battle of the Bays every year. Yep. Green Bay versus uh, Tampa Bay. It was a huge deal back in the day. Wait, they used to be in the same division? Yeah, because yes. it used to be three Four. divisions. It was NFC West, East, and Central. Oh, okay, okay. And then they changed it when Carolina and Jacksonville joined the league. Yes. All right. Way back in the early 90s. I, I remember being in grade school and watching Buck games. And yeah. Being in the division. That probably Yeah, that would have been early 90s when they were still in the same division as the Packers. So I want to say the Packers might have won when they went far won with the Super Bowl. That might have been Central. That was 31, 32. 96. Yeah. Well, I'll have to look it up. So, Tim, we're about a third into this cigar. I'd say that's, that's a third. It's still a full cigar sitting there. Well, <laughs> it's eight and a half inches long, you know? I, I've never had to deal with anything eight and a half inches long. I don't know what that's like. That's what she said. So, um, probably. you picking anything? I'm picking up a, a, a lot more leather, and it's uh, but it's a very smooth, creamy smoke, which is odd for a full-bodied cigar. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. It's not really harsh on the pepper, uh, but it's it definitely has the flavor profile. Like it, it hits you, but it's it's like a soft punch. <laughs> it, it sounds weird to, to describe it that way, but yeah, you're right. Uh, it earthy still. The pepper is very muted. Mm-hmm. It's there, but barely. It's an undercurrent on everything. Um, the still really chocolatey. It is a very velvety smoke. Yes, uh, and velvety. I that that's the word I was looking for. Yeah. <laughs> I the leather is very weird mm-hmm. because I don't always taste it. it. It comes and goes. It shows up for like a brief moment. Yeah, so I'm thinking the further that we go into this, the yeah. more it's going to come. It's yeah. like here I am. Yep, exactly. ready. We're starting to ready. feel it, and it and then not there. Exactly. <laughs> yes. it's, it's the weirdest thing because it it just uh, wait. I'm pretty sure that was leather there, wasn't it? Maybe maybe not well, actually. Taste a little more. <laughs> yep. <laughs> no, it's gone now. Yeah. I could have swore that was there. Um, uh, like I said, though, it's chocolatey. Uh, yep. Chocolatey, a little coffee, but not yep. a whole lot. Just a tiny amount. Yep, yep. yep. I agree with that. Uh, so it, it hasn't developed a ton yet. No. I'm starting to get the inklings of what's to come mm-hmm. in the next third. And that's kind of exciting yes. to, to really experience the individual stages. Because on a shorter cigar, on a smaller cigar, they just kind of happen. And you don't really realize that you're into the second, third until you're there, mm-hmm. and with how big and slowly this one is developing, it feels like there are five or six stages on the cigar. Yes, versus just your typical thirds. So, Tim, uh, a few days ago we were smoking some cigars that had a gauge of a forty-four. This has a gauge of a sixty. So uh, we've more than doubled our size on our cigar in terms of the diameter of it. Uh, what do you enjoy better? Uh, Pros and cons for, for you, personally. Uh, I, I think I prefer the larger gauge. Okay. Uh, it is a softer smoke. Mm-hmm. It doesn't burn as hot. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and it's tough because I don't know how much of it's to do with how long the cigar is versus how wide the cigar is right now because we're still really far away from the smoking end. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but it's just it's a very light, even though it's full-bodied and full-flavored, it's not as intense. Okay. Uh, and I think that's really nice, actually. Uh, it does make it a little more difficult 
to pull some of the flavors out, I think. Sure. Because you're not getting as concentrated a hit mm -hmm. of the flavors. And that can be a downside. Sure. Uh, especially any of the, like the leather, we would probably be tasting it more intensely if it was a smaller ring. Oh, because absolutely. Because we'd just be getting more of it. So Probably the, the coffee, too, would be easier to pull out. Yep. And so that, that that's a downside, you know, because like I'd like to experience those flavors more. But I don't know necessarily that it's bad because if this was heavier on the coffee or heavier on the other, I don't know that it would be as good because it's very well balanced as is. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's tough to say that like better or worse, you know, okay. it, it's its own experience. It's kind of weird to smoke because it's just so damn big yes. <laughs> to get in and like you take a drag and it doesn't feel like you've taken a drag at all. Uh -huh. And you have. <laughs> yeah. So the other thing that's a little more challenging with the larger ring gauge cigars gauge cigars, excuse me, is having that nice even burn. So um, I'm looking at yours, Tim, and oh, it, it looks like we're starting to start to starting to creep in on one half of yeah. the cigar. We, we definitely have a, some peaks and valleys there in terms of the the wrapper burning. Yeah, I've uh, I've not been quite careful enough to keep my rotation going, uh, especially with the bigger cigars. That's important to note. As you're smoking them, you want to rotate the cigar because it'll keep the heat more evenly distributed as you're smoking it. And I think I just kind of let it sit on one end for just a bit long. Yep. So I'm going to have to let it sit on the other end to catch it up a little bit. And then I'll get back into making focusing on making sure that I rotate it as I smoke it. Yeah. The other thing that's going to be really important is when you first light your cigar, especially with anything that's got a larger ring gauge on it. Um, once you think that you have your cigar lit, um, gently blow on the foot of your cigar and you can actually see what part of the cigar is lit up as opposed to just having a, uh, a black color. You should see a nice little glowing orange circle on your cigar. Assuming that everything is orange, that means you have a good, properly lit cigar. And that's, that's key for any cigar, especially a larger ring cigar. Because if, if you start off with a poor light, it's going to be tough to come back from that if you don't correct it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because being a large ring and a longer cigar, it just has more time to go wrong. Mm -hmm. So if it if it's a small issue early, it will compound upon itself unless you take action immediately. Uh, they don't. They're not going to correct themselves as well as a smaller gauge will. Nice piece of advice. So Scott, you you really can't partake much in our cigar talk. So no, 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 not really. Are there any world problems from your neck of the woods that we need to try and solve? Because Tim and I, we've, we've got some time on our hands. <laughs> it's... The U.S. Open was interesting in tennis. <laughs> I didn't hear that. So Serena Williams um, started being and acting like the Serena Williams of old. And uh, the chair judge, which is kind of like the, the referee or the umpire uh, of the sport, uh, pretty much gets the final say. Okay. And uh, he gave a warning because he noticed that her coach was making hand gestures, and it looked like coaching. And you can't coach from the grandstand. In fact, you can't have your coach on the court with you. Um, now, Serena didn't see it, and she said that you're calling me a liar. I don't cheat to win. I have a daughter. This isn't how I'd rather lose than win by cheating. He's not coaching me. Well, then they interviewed the coach. He said, yeah, I was coaching. I always do that. I always coach. 
So, to be oh, fair to Serena, I haven't she, heard that. Okay, yeah, they they got him on an interview on live TV while he was sitting in the stand, saying that yeah, he was coaching. Cool. So now it's a question. Now he was doing hand gestures, and it wasn't really big, uh, but you could see that he was doing something that you know the average spectator isn't going to be doing. Now whether or not you know Serena could actually pick up on anything, really hard to say. But it was a warning. Um, the problem is, is she wouldn't let it go. She kept calling him a liar, and a liar, and a liar. And she missed a shot. And her frustration got the best of her, and she slammed her racket on the ground. Ooh, fun. Which caught her, cost her a point, because she's already been warned about um, improper etiquette on a tennis court. Sure. Going into a tirade. All right, now we, we build an escalate, so she lost a point. So then she started calling him a thief, because he stole a point from her. You thief, you owe me an apology. Going on and on and on. And eventually, he had enough of it, and he said uh, abuse to the chair um, chair official. It cost her a game. Ooh. Now, again, with uh, female tennis, it's a best of three. And her competitor already won the first set, 6-2. And Serena ended up losing uh, the match. But she just kept going on and on and on about it, so... Uh, she was later fined today, I think like $17,000 for her actions, but wow. Yeah, it's just a case of letting your emotions get the better of you. Now, to her credit, she was saying that she was standing up for women's rights because you see people on the men's side doing so much worse and, you know, it's never cost them a point or it's never cost them even a, a game before, like, um, what he charged. Um, so whether, you know, he was being sexist, it's hard to say, but when you look back at how this, uh, chair official has run games he follows the rules and he's a very strict person but and if he's a strict person it's hard to it's fight any of his decisions if he's strict across the entire board but I mean in in terms of basketball this would be like saying all right, LeBron James you've been penalized so much we're going to cost you 20 points in a basketball game yeah and you can come back from that but it's really really hard saying no I'm sorry Aaron Rodgers you're being you're berating an official. That's a touchdown for the other team. This is the equivalent yeah. of costing someone a game in tennis. So uh, apparently that's never happened before in, in the history of the U.S. Open. And this poor lady that she was playing against—it was her first time in an Open's championship and she, uh, first Japanese uh, player. Uh, she became the youngest win. winner of the U.S. Open uh, since Maria Sharapova. Yes, uh, who won at seventeen, mm-hmm. I believe, and uh, the winner is. Aomi, I believe, uh, and I don't, I don't recall her last name, but she was, she is nineteen or twenty, I think. Yeah, but she's the youngest winner since Maria Sharapova. Yeah, she, she literally doubled her earnings in tennis yeah. by winning the U.S. Open. She, <laughs> she made like three point seven million for winning the tournament, and she made like three point four in her entire career prior to that. Yeah, I believe so, that. Yeah, the U.S. Open is a big deal. Oh, absolutely. It, opens are a big deal. Yes, just yes. in general, like that's. The all stars of the of the uh, the tennis world, so yeah. But but major upsets, and then it didn't help when your star player essentially threw a tantrum. Mm-hmm. Is what it comes mm-hmm. down to. So it's a little weird that that's never happened before that they've lost games because, like, you know, you hear people. Uh, what is it? The bad boy of tennis, McElroy. Yeah, you yeah. know how if if he has this persona. This acknowledgement that well, I don't even follow tennis, and I know of him as that. Yeah, how is it? 
It's How possible. has it never happened before? It's possible they changed the rules. That you can't, uh, you just simply can't yeah. do that anymore because they don't want that to car. That's true. That's true. That makes a lot of sense because his was years ago, obviously. Right. Uh, so, yeah, I, I guess that makes a ton of sense. That, But, again, I'm not a big tennis fan, but, I mean, this was yeah. all over the news. It was all over sports. And I was like, oh, yeah. all right. Rock on the Range fans are excited to hear that the annual rock event will be canceled. Indefinitely or just this year? I don't know. They won't move the article. That's fair. That's fair. AEG and Danny Wimmer, which had co-owned and co-operated Rock on the Range, are splitting up. Oh. After apparent differences in vision. Okay, so the right. company's falling yep. apart. Okay. All right. That, all right. Cool. I, I mean, that sucks. That's unfortunate, but... But I'm, I'm grateful it's, it wasn't the audience. It's, yeah, it's a quote-unquote legit reason. Yes. Like, this isn't, you know, this isn't anybody's fault necessarily. Mm-hmm. Business plans fall apart. And that's from the Columbus Dispatch, so... And 12 years is a decent run. It is. It's a damn good run. It's a really good a run. A lot of festivals don't last anywhere near that. Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, I did read a little bit and I just skimmed over it, but it looks like they might be trying to promote Chicago Open Air Fest a little more now. I'm picking up something with this cigar and it's okay. towards the back of my tongue. Okay. A little little spice, maybe a little pepper as we're going along. Are you getting that at all or is it just me and my messed up taste buds? All of the flavors are actually... It's a very well-balanced cigar. Yeah. I think there might be something there. Mm-hmm. Again, it's it's coming a little stronger with the leather on the front end, mm-hmm. and it's leaving back with a, a nice spice taste. And it's, pepper's the wrong word, and it's definitely not like an oregano or anything like that, but it's, there's just a nice little aftertaste. Yeah, it's not like, it's not herbal. No. No. Uh, yeah, I, I'm getting a bit of the leather. Maybe woodsy would be a better way to describe it? That might be the right word for it, yeah. No. Yeah. That, yeah, I think you're right, actually. I think that's so a, a front hit of leather and, and yeah. it's a nice woodsy flavor. That's such a weird transition. Yes. And it's, it's very tough to pick up individual flavors on this cigar uh, because it is such a well-blended mm-hmm. uh, flavor profile. You know, it's just kind of heavy in general. There's a lot of dark, rich notes in it. And picking up the individual ones is, I'm finding, pretty difficult, actually. To, to to really pin down this is chocolate, this is caramel, this yeah. is coffee. Uh, I've been smoking more uh, cigars with uh, the Maduro wrapper, uh, and they definitely have a more of a chocolate flavor to them. Um, but it, it does a lot to hide some of the nuances uh, of a cigar. So, so it, it definitely goes to show you that the, the wrapper of a cigar uh, is a big factor in the overall flavor of it. Yeah, the the wrappers, it's a big deal. Um, it's so weird because I I'm I'm genuinely struggling to really pull the different flavors apart on this cigar. Yeah, and it's it's, just, it's kind of weird to not be able to be like clearly this is chocolate, clearly yeah. this is caramel, clearly this is woodsy. It all just kind of melts together yes. in its own. Thing in this cigar. Yeah, you have a lot of flavors that work really well together, and it just blends extremely well. Because I'm not, I'm not used to that being the case. You know, most cigars have very distinct notes in them, mm-hmm. and this one just does not. It is no. a very rich, mellow, full, like mellow, full body flavor. Yes, you know it. It isn't intense, but there is a lot of flavor. Right, you can definitely tell it's full body, but it's not intense. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. 
It's a soft punch. Yes. <laughs> we're about halfway through, I'd say, on the cigar. Yeah. Uh, Coming to the halfway point. Like we were saying, it's it's a very chill experience. Uh, and I just had some with the whiskey. These are a fantastic pair because the whiskey doesn't change much because it is such a light profile. But it helps round out the full body mixture of the cigar. You experience less of the the floralness, maybe, of the whiskey. Yeah, that's pretty much gone yeah. at this point. Yeah. I think that that's not a bad thing because I think maybe the, uh, the floral was a tad much. But mixed with the cigar here, because it is such a, such a deep, rich flavor, and actually even pulling on the cigar directly after the whiskey, I'm getting more of the leather. Yes, absolutely. Um, much, much more of the leather, actually. Mm-hmm. That's really nice. Yeah. Um, getting a little bit more of the chocolate. Like, I'm, oh, that's really good, actually. Yeah, the chocolate comes back a little bit. At yeah. The end. Like you start talking, he's going to hit it, he's going to hit it. Oh, you just got it. The whiskey... <laughs> I think maybe some of those floral notes help cleanse the palate a little bit even. It could and absolutely could. And it really is helping me pull the the different flavors where just a moment ago I was saying I couldn't grab them individually. That is interesting and phenomenal. This is going to be a weird flavor, but to go along with the chocolate, it's almost like um, a light burnt caramel at the very end with the whiskey. On, on the now, whiskey, yeah. I'm, I might have gotten that because I inhaled and I went <laughs> through the sinuses. And that that was a little harsh for me because I normally don't uh, retrohale my cigars. But that, that caramel aftertaste almost makes it worthwhile. But Tim, I, I would not... I don't know if I'd recommend it to someone. But it was a unique taste that was, that was very pleasant. Once you get past the initial, ooh, wow. Yeah, we've had it before where the cigar changes the flavor profile of... The whiskey mm-hmm. to give us a different, unique flavor from that, as opposed to just you know almost deadening the flavor like we did with the floral taste with this one. I think on the whiskey end, you do notice the floral drop out a bit with this cigar, but in the whiskey, I can taste the caramel a bit more mm-hmm. even. Uh, so I think they're kind of helping draw each other out in that regard. You've got the caramel in the whiskey, and I think it's helping me notice the lower, the lighter. Because the caramel's not intense no. on the cigar. No, it just kind of lingers there in the background. Yep. And I think noticing it in the whiskey has helped me pull it out a bit in the cigar. Microsoft confirms that Windows 7 will now be charged a monthly fee to keep their security updates up to date. Yeah, that, that headline's actually a little misleading. You know what? That's starting in 2020. You know what? Nothing for Vista, bitches. Uh, it's not even that. I mean, you're making a mistake using Vista anyways, but... I mean, you're right. But back on the Windows 7 thing, uh, the headline's a little misleading. Microsoft has been stopping. It's secure. It's strictly the security updates. Right. Uh, and that's fine. They can't support every OS forever. Uh, that's just, it doesn't, it's not business. That's not how this works. The Windows 7 thing, uh, they've been deprecating these for a while now. Um, and Windows 7, they actually were going to stop updating it a year ago. Uh, because it had reached the end of its life as far as they were concerned. The the current scheme, what they're talking about with that headline, is actually they're creating a plan. And this was this was hit upon last year when mm-hmm. they had talked about re- removing the security updates. Uh, it's for businesses. 
Yes, it's it does for, say for Windows 7 professional yep, it's for customers people. in volume licensing. Exactly. It's yeah. for businesses that have a large selection or a large collection of Windows 7 because roughly 40% of the world's OSs is still uh, Windows 7. I want to say where I work, I think it's uh, 7. Yeah, I believe that. It's roughly 40% of the of uh, the world uh, is uh, Windows 7 right now. Yeah. Uh, and so and what I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that if you had Windows 7, they offered the free upgrade mm-hmm. to Windows 10. So if you just decided not to go with it, they're like, all right, well. Well, I mean, the depre- deprecating Windows 7 has been in the pipeline for years now. They knew that this was going to reach end of line years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, they pushed Windows 10 because they're pushing uh, system as a service. Uh, and with Windows 7, they're allowing businesses to continue to receive security updates for a premium and every year that premium will go up because they want you off of seven because they don't want to continue to have to support it uh for the regular person you me joe blow whoever you're done receiving security updates it's a reason to move forward to a new os because if there's if as it stands right now if there is a new hole that is found in windows 7 it will never be patched for you. No. It's, and to are, be fair, there's nothing wrong with 10. It's not like it was a jump from XP to Vista. Uh, that was a huge jump. 10 has its own issues, uh, but that's on a personal side uh, because I don't like some of the things they do natively. Mm-hmm. Uh, but speaking of end of life, uh, another major system is now officially dead. The PlayStation 2 has finally reached its end of life cycle in Japan. And Japan was the last place that was actually... Um, still willing to fix people's PlayStation 2s. Oh. And they have officially stopped doing that now. So the PlayStation, I've never heard about this. Yeah, it was uh, just this week, actually. The PlayStation 2 is now officially dead. Oh. Which is kind of sad if you think about it. It was, like one of, it was, it was so uh, revolutionary. It was a top five selling console yeah. of all time, which is really impressive when you think about how successful... Uh, Nintendo was, and the Super Nintendo, and, and even the Wii. Like, like the first two years it came out, it was just constantly sold out everywhere. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't them doing Nintendo scheme, oh, we're holding back. Yeah. We're going to create a demand. So, yeah, so that was a little a little sad that the PlayStation 2 is officially dead is now. Sad. My cigar was burning a little uneven, so I lit the uneven side to help it burn down a little bit more and that extra flame and that extra heat really helped unleash a really strong nutty flavor it was kind of surprising really good so what you did is you actually touched up your cigar you can correct things cigars aren't a one light and you go and however it happens it happens take your time pay attention to it and you can absolutely fix whatever's wrong in the cigar and so like john mentioned i touched it up and to help it even the, the burn back out and that extra heat and that extra flavor, a very strong nutty flavor. And that was really nice because it has been such a mellow smoke. Yes. That to get a real strong flavor of anything was kind of a surprise and a little delightful. Mm-hmm. So how do they, how do they make the different wrappers like different colors? Like I know it's not just a color thing. It's a scent and a flavor. And I believe and I'm going to have to do a little bit of research so I could be completely wrong. It is the type of leaf that they use for the wrapper. Okay. Um, so with a tobacco plant, you have different, obviously different parts of the plant, different styles of leaves, and how they age the leaf is going to be what makes it different. Right. Now, whether or not a leaf is aged longer for that Maduro wrapper, or if it's just a different part of the plant, 
off the top of my head, I don't know. I'm sure someone listening to this saying, ooh, a cigar podcast, they could probably tell you right away. But in that knowledge department, I'm, I'm a little lacking. Right. And there are a lot of ways to age them. Uh, some are aged in, like, cognac or whiskey barrels to pull out some of those flavors. Uh, so, Tim, yeah. you were telling me a story earlier on the way down here about uh, Eli, or Elon Musk. Did he yeah. tweet something again? No, no, no. No, 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 no. Even better. Is it better? It is way better. <laughs> I love this story. So Elon Musk went on the Joe Rogan podcast. Oh, God. Why? As we are aware with Elon Musk, he has been descending to some sort of insanity over the last year. So he went on the Joe Rogan podcast. And I don't know if you've ever listened to the Joe Rogan podcast. But his podcast, he brings on people with maybe controversial views yes. or people that he likes personally. Because, yep. you know, he knows a lot of people from his various doing everything. <laughs> uh, so he had Elon Musk on. And uh, it was really interesting because he does his podcast in California where smoking pot is legal. As we all know, that doesn't stop it from being a federal crime. Right. Uh, so Elon... Had a tumbler of whiskey, and so did Joe, and they smoked a joint on the podcast. Okay. And you can tell that Elon is a cigar smoker because he drags back on the joint and he blows it all out immediately. Because he's a cigar You can yep. tell immediately that yeah. he's a cigar. And I I, right. I really enjoyed seeing that because I saw him take the hit. And it was NVD. They had an interesting conversation. Because right. Elon has some weird views about AI yeah. and the end of humanity and whether or not we're in a simulation. The interesting part here is because pot is a federal crime. He owns SpaceX. Oh, no. So SpaceX contracts with the U.S. Air Force. Right. There are strict rules about doing things that are federal offenses. Fucking kidding me. Uh, <laughs> and it's on tape because it's yeah. not just a podcast. No, it's video. It's you, video as yeah. well. There's just video of him smoking a joint. But to be fair, it was like, did he really smoke a joint? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and, and exactly, if as long as he can pass the drug test, uh, prove and, that it was actually a joint. And and that's the thing is the Air Force is contemplating what they have. They haven't come out with anything hard and fast yet, but they have to look into it because there's a distinct possibility that he either has to get removed as a CEO from SpaceX, or they have to stop their contract with him. Yeah, struggling with this one a little bit. I got some tunneling issues, and that that tunneling is typically a sign that you're going too hard on the cigar. Yep. I know that that's probably the case because I've been really concentrating on making sure it doesn't go up because it is a wide cigar, and they have a tendency, if you're not paying attention to them, to put themselves out uh, because of the fact that it just it's a much bigger cigar. Uh, so I've been trying to puff on it a little more, and I'm... I went to probably going too far, too too far on it. Yeah. So, um, interestingly enough, I'm about the last quarter of my cigar, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the burn is starting to get the temperature is starting to get a little bit warmer, which yep. is as you would uh, expect with a cigar. Um, but it's definitely more earthy, more leathery. The pepper is completely dissipated, uh, and I'm not getting that spice that we were getting. Towards the beginning and medium part, or the middle of the cigar, I should say. Yeah, and and that spice was such a subtle thing to begin with. Yes, uh, I wasn't expecting that to last very long. Yeah, the fact that it disappeared, I'm not super shocked. But you're right; it is it's mellowed a bit, even because it, it, like you said, it's it's earthy, a little bit of leather going on, 
The leather doesn't seem super <coughs> intense or anything. No. Um, but I'm I'm a little bit less far than you are. Yep. As far as the burns go, but we're about the same place, uh, and I've got about the same experience. It's 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 a rich flavor. It's it's a little. It's very earthy. Yes. It's a very earthy cigar. Um, a little bit of the leather. Uh, I'm not noticing much of the chocolate anymore. Nope. Uh, that's gone. Yep. Like you said, the pepper is not there anymore. It's it's earth and leather. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this would be, I think this would be a ideal cigar to sit out in the middle of the woods with the campfire mm-hmm. or in your backyard and have a, have a bonfire going. Because it's one of those things, uh, you're going to be out there for a while anyways. Might as well light up the cigar. Grab some whiskey. It's going to be a, a good time. And I can only imagine with the aroma of the of the wood burning yeah. and the cigar. This, this would be a really Especially nice... Especially if you had a nice oak fire going. It would be a really nice combination. Oh, I could see that. Yeah. Uh, and actually, uh, just taking a quick sip of the whiskey as well, uh, the whiskey's actually brought some of the floral flavors back. I don't know if you've noticed that. Let me try. Uh, but I've noticed that the whiskey, because of how rich the cigar has gotten... Some of the floral notes of the whiskey are back. Yes, absolutely, and that's really interesting to experience. That they went away, and now and they're now, back. Now that the cigar has mellowed, and it's not as, uh, it's not as peppery. It's not as sweet. And I think the the floral brings out a little bit more of the caramel. Mm-hmm. At yep. the, at the, yeah, the two caramel, the, the, the yeah. caramel in the caramel flavors in the whiskey yep. really accentuate the caramel flavors in the cigar. It's quite a very, nice, a very pleasant aftertaste. Yep. Yep. Especially without having that, that traditional whiskey burn. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, something else um, is I'm picking up a bit more of the uh, the coffee notes uh, as we're heading into the back end here. Uh, primarily earthy, just a just a little. Now that you say that, I, I can mm-hmm. get a little of it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not crazy. It's, it's kind very of subtle. it's kind of where this that that spicy flavor was uh, earlier in the cigar. You know, so taking a step away from all that. I know that you've cracked your second beer here now. Uh, you know, so you second beer. All right, so you finished them. You know, now that you're you've finished two, you've gotten a real good sample. What is your experience on the beer? You know, now that you're two in, what kind of things do you notice about the beer? What kind of things do you not like? What kind of things do you like? You know, as far as overall, it's a great beer. Okay, uh, it's tart, it's crisp, but it's not like. I'm going to pucker up tart. It's, it hits your tongue and you're like, that's nice. It's refreshing. And I still have a hard time even pulling out the grapefruit, or not grapefruit, wow, the blackberry flavor. I hope you're not pulling out grapefruit on that beer. (laughs) I mean, it's a blackberry sour beer, so, but I don't, I don't taste the blackberry. It's super subtle. And I think it's only there just to add a little bit of sweetness. So with this being a sour beer, this is not a beer then that you would slam at a house party or anything like that oh no i mean okay. i mean if you're going to a house party you're probably going out to a house party to get hammered too right with uh and it's it's a less than four percent alcohol it's, yeah, it's pretty it's, hard to it's do. not a three two i actually looked it up it's a three five okay uh so it's it is a weak beer uh super carbonated compared to your standard you know okay. pilsner so you were doing something that was a little interesting uh you were tipping your beer upside down and then you tip it right side up and then you open it or you forgot, and you covered your thumb, uh, yeah, and, then, yeah. and then you did that. So, can you explain why you do that? Because that that's a little different. I've never really seen anyone do that before. Uh, it's a wheat beer. And so, with wheat beers, they tend to have 
a bunch of sediments at the bottom. Okay. Uh, because wheat beers typically are not filtered. And so by tipping the beer over and maybe giving it a little swirl upside down while it's still, you know, capped. Swirl, not shake. Yeah, not shake. Just giving it a swirl to kind of break those sediments up a Stir, little bit. Stir, not shaking. Yeah. Um, it helps get those sediments off the bottom. And even if you're going with, you know, like a, a Hocker Shore, which is also a wheat yep. beer. So so with wheat beers, because they do have that sediment, that's part of the flavor. That's part of the taste. And it's not going to be right unless you've got that sediment. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, it, it does. Uh, it can change your flavor profile as well just because there's a lot of flavor in those sediments. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Because I just, I'm not a huge beer drinker. Like, I enjoy I enjoy good Bud Light because that's who I am as a person. So again, you're because you're drinker. vanilla. Exactly. Yeah. Real basic. <laughs> Fucking basic bitch. Yeah, like I said, I'm not you know I'm not a huge beer drinker, so the idea that there is that there's stuff in your beer is a very weird thing to me. I watch Bar Rescue. Stuff in your drinks is usually not a good sign. <laughs> <laughs> typically, unless it's a wheat beer, because <laughs> wheat beers, like I said, typically are not filtered. So there is, are some that are. Is that the case with any beer then that has sediment at the bottom that you want to go ahead and give it a, a swirl to kind of break that up and? So I noticed some IPAs. I so I, I've noticed some IPAs. Especially some of the heavier ones typically have uh, some sediment on the bottom of it. I'm not a huge IPA person. Okay. Uh, Tim is more the IPA person. IPAs are something that I drink typically. Yeah, usually with IPAs, uh, most of that stuff is the citrus that they add. Because a lot of IPAs add a citrus finish to it. That's the same thing with with wheat beers. A lot of wheat beers. I mean, you look at your Blue Moon. Yep. Yeah. It's citrus infused. Because throw the orange on it. Because they, easy for that. Yep. The, the IPAs will linger on the back of your palate forever. Yes. Yep. So a good citrus addition, typically grapefruit is one of the more common ones. It will just, it, it has this, it has, yeah, it has this wonderful effect where it will just stop that back end linger. Uh, it's almost like the uh, orange rind taste yep. that you get with some IPAs. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. yeah, I would say if, if you have a beer and it's got the sediment, you'd want to give it a good little swirl okay. to kind of. Get that sediment off the bottom. It's going to be some extra flavor. So if you're drinking a craft beer and it's got a date on it when it was made. Born date? Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's a... Marketing gimmick. That's a Anheuser-Busch thing, the born on date. Yeah, I know Sam Adams did a best drink by date. Yep. But they do. Uh, but if, if it's a newer date and it's got sediment, it probably is supposed to be there. Okay. I mean, if, it, if you open it up and it tastes bad... I mean, maybe it's not. <laughs> it is possible. Occasionally, a beer could be bad. Yeah. Um, and realize that just like with any liquor or beer, don't let one be your judge. Don't let one turn you off completely from the, the cigar or the whiskey or the beer. Yeah, Try something different. different. Try something else. What would you say for anybody out there that has not smoked a cigar is a good price range to start if you're buying a single cigar, if you're going to a decent, you know, cigar shop. If you're going to a cigar shop, um, anywhere between... And this this is probably Wisconsin area. It might be different if you're sure. in New okay, York so, or something. Sure, um, okay, so I'm going to go with a smaller market. So, like, the Appleton Green Bay market, you're going to look anywhere between $3 to $5 is going to be a good entry-level cigar. Right. Um, most of the cigars that I smoke traditionally have been right around uh, the 6 to $9 price right. range. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I started off with some uh, cheaper cigars 
but the other thing that you uh, want to try and do is pick out a cheaper cigar from a well-known brand name. Uh, so that way you you know that it, it's at least constructed well. You so, know, it's an established company. You know, if they got higher-end cigars out there, it's probably because they know what they're doing. Yep. And, and the other thing that's going to be really important with a cigar, unlike a, you know, a bottle of beer, is the, the construction. With cigars, the construction can completely change how it's made. So, and even... Even then, if you have a poorly constructed cigar, try it out again, especially if you're dealing with anything that's made by hand. Uh, most of your uh, better cigars are typically hand-rolled, and that means there's a, a person a factor. There's a people element. Now, that being said, most of these cigar rollers are really good at what they do, so they typically don't make a lot of mistakes. So if you have a bad one, try it again. If you've had two bad ones in a row, Especially from a cigar lounge, that means it's a bad cigar brand or it's just that line of cigars isn't very good. Now, if it's your own personal collection, you might need to check out your humidor and, and see what's going on with that. And there's different tests and things you can do of that nature. But if you're just starting out, you're not going to go out, you're not going to buy a humidor or anything like that. So you don't have to worry about the control factors of how the cigar is stored as much. So that, that was a really long word answer to a relatively simple question. <laughs> Unfortunately, three to six dollars, I would say, is a good price range for a entry level first time cigar. Right. You know, and when it comes, you you call it a long winded explanation, but unfortunately, it's just one of those questions that need a little bit more. You know, simply saying a price range, especially because you know we're from the Midwest, our prices just might be different from yours. We're probably cheaper than a lot of places. Midwest is yeah. our cost of living is actually just quite a bit cheaper than yeah. a lot of places. Uh, but and that's why. You know, it being a longer answer isn't a bad thing because you give pointers. It's not just price. There are some things to look at with that price point. You know, look at your general prices in your area. Stick. You don't want to go the very cheapest. Come up a couple bucks. Uh, and like you said, check out your construction because that's it's just going to matter quite a bit to the experience that you have on uh, with your cigar. The other thing that I would recommend is if you've never smoked a cigar before, and this might seem counterintuitive, don't take the cigar home. Don't smoke it by yourself. Uh, smoke it in the lounge because odds are uh, you're going to enjoy the atmosphere. And There's something about sitting in a cigar lounge and just being in a room with other people who like smoking tobacco and enjoy smoking their cigars. Now, I'm not saying you have to strike up a conversation with complete strangers or anything like that, but enjoy the event of smoking a cigar. And that way you can truly figure out if you like this or not. Atmosphere is huge when smoking a cigar. Any kind of consumable atmosphere is huge. Yes. There's, there's a reason you pay more when you go out to eat at a restaurant than if you just cook it at home. Oh, yeah. Here's so, Tim, I see you put your cigar down for the night. Overall, what did you think of it? Uh, it's, it was amazing, actually. It's a really good cigar. Uh, it It's tough because it, it did develop. There were a few different stages in it. But there wasn't a lot of changes that went on. Mm -hmm. You know, it developed that earthy flavor. It paired incredibly well with the Woodford Reserve. The way that they played off each other's flavors were amazing. Pulling off uh, the, the caramel pairing, dropping the floral, bringing the floral back as the cigar changed. Like, allowing you to pull the different flavors off of the cigar after a quick sip. Um, all of those things were just... They, they went together quite well. Uh, 
And overall, my experience was incredibly positive, and I think this pairing is one of the better pairings we've had. Yes. Uh, for me, the cigar's a bit much. Okay. Uh, is that be the size, flavor, it, it, or all of the above? This is the size. Okay. And that's kind of why I put it down a little sure. early. Uh, and, and that's fine. You know, if you have a big cigar and you get close to the end and you're like, you know what? I've had about enough. Put it down. That's fine. When don't, you're done, you're done. Yeah, don't overwork it. Um, you know, I made it close enough to the end that I have an idea of what the end flavor is. Uh, you know, any more than that. And I would have, they would have been too much for me. Sure. You know, it would have. Would have made me feel a little sick, mm-hmm. uh, and that's that's perfectly fine. You know, I made it I made it far enough to know what the different flavors are going to be, and that was good enough for me. I know that if I'd gone any further, I would not have enjoyed the remaining portion of the cigar. Sure, uh, but I can't. I don't. There's no complaints about the cigar at all. Uh, if anything, just a slightly smaller one, the exact same make, even if it's the same ring size or the same gauge. Like I. That'd be fine. Just a shorter, shorter you know, not shorter stick, not not you know, a mile, not long. eight and a half inches. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, smoke, smoking a cigar this size is an event, and it's it it is a big time suck. It's not one of those things you can do. It's like, all right, I have an hour to burn to relax. What do I want to do? You're probably not going to want to smoke one of these cigars. Yeah, because I think we started this about six forty five ish, six thirty. Could be, and we're we're looking at nine thirty. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. In fact, it is nine thirty right now. Uh, again, so if you're, you're talking three hours on that one cigar, right and now. if you're sitting around a campfire, that's great. Um, I what I used to do with these is I would sit, when I was living in my apartment is I'd watch the uh, Packers because they traditionally have the first game in the afternoon, and then I'd watch second half of football on my porch, just smoking one of these, and nice. it was great because I could make it all the way through football or football tonight in America, football in America, whatever that show is on NBC. Uh, before uh, Sunday Night Football. So uh, that, that was my way to uh, enjoy a Packer win. I was like, I miss Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> which, which was a lot of the season last year. Yeah, yeah. Last year was not good for our boy Aaron Rodgers. When did he go out? Uh, like week four? I was going to say, it's pretty early. I was going to say like five or six. Yeah, it was before. relatively early. But it was the... I think I think he was up like nine weeks. What was it? Vikings collarbone on his uh, throwing arm. Yeah, that's rough. Yeah, that's a bad place to be. Developing an extra collarbone is not good. No, no, it is not. So, do you want to rate the cigar, Tim? Yeah, I think I could do that. Uh, I've had your lighter. Mine just went out on me. I'm at, I'm at the end of the cigar, so it's do I relight it or not? But I really like the cigar. I don't know if you can do that with the this size cigar, cigar but I'm relighting it, so if, just push down. Oh, okay. I mean, you made it eighty percent of the way through it. Yeah, it's hard to blah blah blah, blah that, but I still did it. That's fine. <laughs> take that. Excuse me. There you go. It's a lot to burn through the plastic. Yeah, they're pretty thick cables. This may not relight. It might be too close to the end. No, I think you're good. Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> Almost did it again. Now we can relight it. I was tumbling towards the end, so that's my problem. Ah, uh, yeah. You can literally see it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a real fingertip burner. At this stage, it is. We'll see. There's not much life left in it. Yeah. 
So if you had to rate your cigar, Tim? So if I had to rate the cigar, uh, I think I think I'd give it a solid seven. Uh, it was above average. Uh, I I enjoyed the fact that it was such a blended flavor, but to me that was also kind of a detriment to the cigar because uh, I really enjoy the the experience of pulling out all the different flavors. Sure. And on this cigar in particular, that was so so hard to do, and that, that was a good thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what makes it above average. But I think that that also detracts from its ability to be a top-notch cigar. Uh, the construction was really good. Uh, I had some errors in the way that I smoked it. I had tunneled a couple times. Uh, I had a slightly uneven burn initially. Yep. Uh, and I know that that's largely due to to me. You know, that's not necessarily the cigar's yeah, that was, fault. That was sure. self-inflicted. And I'm not super familiar with such a big cigar. Yep. And it's a it's a completely different monster. So I think that I'd give it a seven. Uh, the whiskey itself... The Woodford Reserve, that is a good whiskey. It is smooth. It's a, it's unexpected for a whiskey because it is pretty floral. You don't, it's not a heavy uh, whiskey. There's not. Yeah, just by taking a, a whiff, yep. you know, of the, the cap, mm-hmm. you can smell that, that floral, almost sweetness to it. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's a caramely, uh, floral kind of uh, bouquet and uh, flavor. It's not heavy on the the deep notes of the the oak or uh, the charcoal or anything like that. No. Uh, so I honestly, uh, the Woodford's also uh, probably a seven five, maybe an eight, maybe an eight. Uh, but I think the pairing itself put the pairings a solid nine. Right. This is one right. of the best pairings I've ever had on a whiskey cigar. You know, and that that pairing is not is not an average of the two different uh, the things. Two different things. Pairing, the pairing, the pairing, pairing is its own rating. Yes, and the pairing between these two is a solid nine. The way that they played together with the cigar, removing some of the floral and allowing the sweeter flavors to develop on the whiskey. The whiskey allowing you to pull some of the flavors out on the cigar. Uh, the floral coming back on the whiskey. They created an experience all the way through that was really, really enjoyable. So your pairing was a... Was a nine. Nine? Okay. Yeah. yeah. It was one of the best pairings I've had. Yep, I would completely agree with that. The pairing itself was a nine um, for all the exact same reasons that you said. And what was uh, remarkable about this and why I don't want to go lower than a nine is because it changed uh, midway through the cigar. Uh, yeah. we, we've talked about how sometimes the cigar flavor, well, or the profile of the cigar changes and we got that a little bit, but not a whole lot with this cigar. Uh, so, but the fact that the pairing was so different from when we started, middle, and end, yep. definitely a 9. Uh, in terms of the whiskey itself, easily 7.5, maybe even an 8. Yep. Uh, it, it's so smooth and it's enjoyable on its own. I would have no problem just enjoying a glass and just kicking back, watching a movie, or you know, doing whatever it is you want to do while enjoying a whiskey. Yep. Um, I would not recommend this for a bar because it's a completely, completely different atmosphere, but it's definitely something that you'd want to sip and enjoy. Yeah. Uh, so anytime that you have a drink like that, it scores very high in my book. Uh, in terms of the cigar, I would give it a solid 7.5, okay. maybe even an 8. Right. Uh, the construction was solid. Um, it had a good uh, smoke the entire time. Um, I was able to keep an even even burn on it. Yeah, so you're, that's, you're more experienced and uh, generally speaking, just a better cigar smoker than I am. 
And that just comes with time. So, yeah. and I really uh, appreciated that. Um, the size is something that you know can be a detractor at times. Um, again, you're looking at a good three hours for this. So perhaps if it was that smaller cigar and you could pull out those uh, flavors a little bit easier, possibly you know bump that up to that eight nine range. But overall, a very good cigar. But it's definitely a lot better. And again, there is nothing wrong with a 7.5 cigar, uh, but it's definitely well, that's more. quite a bit above average. Yes, it is. Uh, so please don't think a 7.5 is bad or anything like that. It is not. It's a, I highly recommend uh, this cigar if you want a uh, full-bodied experience. And again, it's not going to be something that's going to punch you in the gut the first time that you uh, inhale the first time with your cigar or puff on it or take a draw. All right. What about you? Uh, you know, you cracked your third one open. I, you seem to be enjoying the uh, the Berlinger Weiss pretty pretty thoroughly. Uh, where does where does that sit for you? Where, how do you rate this bad boy? As far as sour beers go, it's one of my favorite. Um, I because it's not overpowering. It's got that nice tart flavor. It's still super crisp. It's not dry. And, and sometimes drinking sour beers, they can get dry. Mm-hmm. And you take a sip, and two seconds later. You need another sip because your mouth is just so dry. This, it's very quenching. Like, it it just works on, on a lot of levels. If I had to give it a score, just as far as sour beers go, I'd probably give it a solid eight. Okay. Tim, how can people find us? Yeah. On Facebook, you can locate us at Leaf and Barrel Podcast. On Twitter, it's Leaf Barrel Pod. So that's something to know. It's a little bit different than most of our other places. It's Leaf Barrel Pod. You can contact us via, via email at leafandbarrelpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can get a hold of us on Instagram at Leaf and Barrel uh, Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on Patreon, uh, and that's Leaf and Barrel Podcast. Uh, we have a couple different subscription tiers, and we're always looking forward you know, to getting some support to make this podcast the best it can be for everybody. Right now, the best way is probably through Facebook or email. Always contact us, with, uh, contact us with questions, comments, concerns, suggestions. If you have uh, uh, questions about certain types of whiskey, or if you'd like to see us do a review on a particular brand of anything, beer, whiskey, cigars, let us know. I know that we'll always read everything we get. I can't promise we'll get back to it, uh, but know that we are listening. Uh, you can catch us on any of your podcast players, Leaf and Barrel Podcast. If you're on iTunes, make sure to rate us, give us a review. That always helps get us out there so that we can reach more people and share this wonderful world with everybody and, you know, our delightful insight on everything bothering the world now. Uh, but this has been Leaf and Barrel Podcast. We appreciate you joining us. My name's Tim. My name is John. <laughs> My name is Scott. And uh, we'll see you next week. And thanks for listening. <laughs>